in what so why don't you want fries because if i don't finish the main part of my meal then mom will let me have dessert and that's the way it is but you always eat my fries that's taxation um <laughs> with representation like one to two fry tax on team fries i feel like it's fair this is like me with your sushi that was in the fridge the other day oh, did you eat it i did oh, i just went for it i was like ian's not here and i don't want this little sushi roll to go to waste no that was great so ate your leftovers chad put it in the um he was like do you want me to put this in the fridge i was like yes sushi should not be out for four hours so but you also left so there you pack. have it we have our uh, nice talking in intro and a little bit of a behind the scenes look and now we have to record today's episode because it is Friday and that's an exciting time for everyone. And you just got to hear a little bit of the behind the scenes. Ian, Happy Friday. he brought up a very important point about taxation and be prepared to pay the tax on your fries at all times. I mean, I guess I don't want to pay that tax though. That's a sad tax to pay. Or I don't either, sushi. But pay the tax on your sushi. Uh, when taxes are earned, I'm uh, happy to pay them. All right. In today's episode of The Best, we have an awesome episode we have the best of what we're up to. We had some fun announcements, big announcement coming up for this Monday. We've been watching an awesome documentary and there's an amazing album I've been listening to. I can't wait to talk about it a little bit. We have an excellent book. It's only a hundred pages. And so if you're a little bit burnt out on the Walt Disney biography that we were reading for the book club, which is like a 900 page monster. You would suggest a 900 page book. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. This book is only 100 pages. It's a really short read. And I basically have a summary that I want to talk about to everybody because it was such valuable knowledge. We have some awesome podcasts that we're listening to. Let's dive into it. Steph, what's up? Not much. But first, we should give a shout out to our sponsor, Twilio. So the Twilio Signal Conference sponsored this episode of the Mission Daily. From October 17th through the 18th, you can go to San Francisco and attend their amazing developer and customer conference. And you can get 20% off the conference tickets if you go to signal.twilio.com and use our promo code MISSION20. Awesome. Hope to see everybody there. All right. So are we starting with what we're watching? Yeah, let's do it. So Steph and I watched a documentary the other night that was hilarious. And I want to hear what Steph thinks about it because she wasn't a fan of Seinfeld when it was out. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get so reasons. much hate now. <laughs> but after it was out, she wasn't even that big of a fan of it. She like watched some episodes, thought it was funny, but she was just never that big of a fan. So when we watched the Netflix documentary slash stand-up special that was called Jerry before Seinfeld, we both loved it. And now I want to see what are your thoughts. Does it make you more interested in Seinfeld? I don't know if I would go back and watch old episodes. I don't know yet. Yeah. But the documentary was hilarious. And why I liked it was because of the different types of humor. Some things you were laughing at that I was like, eh, this is just kind of funny. And then other things I was busting out laughing. And I'm like, huh? Huh? Chad, are, did you see that? And you're just like, yeah, yeah, it's funny. So that was probably my favorite part. And can I say my favorite joke on like what we were watching from Yeah, yeah. no, I, I have a couple that, that like my favorites. Yeah. Oh, okay, so the one thing that you weren't busting out laughing at, which I thought was the funniest thing I ever heard, was the one about cotton balls that he was talking about. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm surprised you remember it. I wasn't you laughing at the moment, but it was, it was funny. Okay, so he was talking about how women have this huge reliance on cotton balls, and he just doesn't understand it after I don't know what happened he had a cotton ball in his house or maybe two and so he's like I was trying to figure out ways to get rid of it so one day I was going to the doctor and I was like oh cotton ball I'll slip it in my pocket and he gets to the doctor and he's like you need one of these 
And the doctor brings out like 20 of them. He's like, nope, I'm good. Here, you can take a couple home. And it was like this whole story about how he was trying to get rid of this one cotton ball. And it had me cracking up. Oh, it was so great. But no, it was, yeah, it's it pretty hilarious. And his facial mannerisms as he's telling the joke and pretending to pull the cotton ball out of his pocket were just awesome. My favorite part of this was that it was the first stand-up special I've ever seen where the comic is willing to explore doing a documentary that basically runs alongside the entire stand-up special. So I thought that was a brave, divergent path. It worked out really well. It was a really cool documentary slash stand-up special. And cool and that he was doing it on the place where he first started. Yeah, on the that stage. was... I guess it was like a bar, comedy place. Yeah, basically a comedy club. That yeah. was the club that he started out at. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, he started out not getting paid anything, just in food. And I think that he only started getting paid in food after it was his routine was like good enough. Yeah. So that's a that's a great reminder of how the start and the foundation of things can be pretty important. And my favorite joke, I have to bring this up, is when Jerry says, eventually he brought his parents to a show because for years he kept this part of his character and everything just closeted off completely. He didn't want to talk about it and he didn't really want to bring it up in front of his parents. So he says, eventually I brought my parents to a show. I was so nervous that night because I was showing them this whole side of myself. It was like my little gay closet moment. I had to say, hey, mom, dad, I, I don't know how to tell you this. I'm a funny person and I don't want to be ashamed of it anymore. I want to lead a funny lifestyle now. And he goes on to say like he wants to hang around funny people, other funny comics. And it's such a good point because how many of us have sections of our life that we keep closeted off from people because of generally imaginary fears? We think that people are going to not like us. They're going to think it's weird. And in most cases, hey, they might, but why keep that boxed off? Why keep that in the closet? Why not start sharing or at least experimenting, talking about it and bringing it out into the light? I think that's something that I'm always trying to do more of earlier on in situations where I'm becoming friends with someone. Why hold back? Be yourself and practice being yourself more and more. It's not something that's going to go out of fashion or go out of style. It's not something you're going to look back and be like, oh man, I was really ashamed that I showed that person who I really was. And I talked about what I was really interested in. It's not something you're going to regret. So I love that joke. And I think it's a great reminder. Yeah, that was great. And I like the more immature jokes. You remember the one where he's talking about what adulthood means? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's talking about adulthood means the ability that you can remain standing even when you're like super bored. And so he's talking about like standing in line for something or just, you know, going to like the phone store. And he's like, remember when you're five years old and your mom's taking you to the bank or taking you to the clothing store or something super boring. And he's like, I would eventually just start withering down to where I'd be laying completely flat on the floor because I was so bored. And I thought that was awesome because I remember being I remember that little moments. Yep, yeah. and laying down inside of a clothing rack. Or, oh, that's so great. And such a good point that now we can such withstand boring stuff. And it's a good reminder, too, that the best way to probably write a joke in a way that gets remarked about by others is to have experience that the other person is guaranteed to have gone through before. Yep. So it's yep. a great, great way it. to bake in marketing. Yeah, really, so everyone, really cool. go check that out. It was called Jerry Before Seinfeld, right? Yeah, it's on Netflix. So quick announcements on our end. Baby Grayson is great. Thanks for asking. And I recently got off coffee again. So I've, I step on, I step off, and I have a little announcement to make in front of everybody, in front of a very large audience that is growing by leaps and bounds that I'm very thankful for every day. Thank you so much to everyone that's listening. But here's my announcement. I'm going to give up coffee for a year, an entire really? year. I have enough data points now. I have enough research. And as horrible as I feel right now, being off of it, I know what I feel like a month or a month and a half after I'm 
uh, clean from coffee. I and hope everyone I'm, holds you to this. When you're like I'm three months in it. and you're like, oh, Steph, maybe just a little bit. I'm going to be like, uh, uh-uh. It's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. I've just had too many case studies and examples where I've done this now, I think like six or seven times, maybe, maybe more. I guess it's like 10 or 12 times now that I've cycled on and cycled off of it. And I just want to experiment at least having a year of time to experiment and see how I feel without it. Because it honestly takes like a month or almost two months before your body is fully, I guess, acclimated and you can really relax. And the changes for me anyways are drastic. It's not not advocating that everybody give up caffeine or coffee or anything like that. Absolutely not. I think it's really important to actually find the best drug that works for you, the best food, whether you want to call it a food or a drug or a drink, doesn't really matter. Life is really tough. So however you get through it, whatever you have to use, obviously use things that are healthy, as healthy as possible. But I do think it's really important to experiment and find what works for you. And coffee just hasn't been working for me. Agree. Yeah, I was just going to say every person's different and what affects you in a certain way affects me very differently or doesn't affect me. And I definitely think it's been interesting watching that over time where you've gotten off of something for a couple months and you're so clear headed, but then help pulls you back in. And then I do the same like when I was pregnant, not having any coffee. And I'm like, eh, whether I'm on it, whether I'm off it, I feel kind of the same. But then something else that you might do and doesn't affect you impacts me immensely so it's really interesting seeing that and maybe not always siding with like if someone's like i'm getting off this completely well you might not be like that person definitely so maybe you don't yeah, need don't, to yeah don't don't side with me do your own research do your own experiments because i think people are so much more different than the medical community would like to admit it's you know just because somebody's the same age and they're born from the same location same ethnicity or whatever i don't think that those two people are alike and how they respond to different stimulants and, and stuff like that so all right. Well, everyone's going to be holding That's a big announcement. And second announcement too, we have a new podcast coming out on Monday. We've actually withheld the name for quite a while, but the podcast is called IT Visionaries. And if you're interested in very technical stuff and the future of technology, AI, machine learning, bots, cryptography, hardware, software, the list goes on. This is a really cool podcast. Our presenting sponsor is Salesforce and It's actually the Salesforce Lightning platform, which is different than the other team that we're working with, the enterprise marketing team at Salesforce. And both teams have been amazing. They have given us essentially full creative control to create the podcasts that we want, that we feel are important, that don't exist right now in the world. With IT Visionaries, we have a new look at these technologies. And that look is told through the lens of CEOs, CTOs, CIOs, the technical leaders who are driving technological change on a massive scale. These are people that are in some of the biggest companies in the world, and we've done exclusive interviews with them to tease out how they are thinking about technological change, how they are empowering their workforce, how they are using new technological creations to create new jobs and create new opportunities for people. And in some cases, there's some really cool software out there that essentially gives people the equivalent of a PhD with software. So they don't have to go back to school to be retrained. They're not going to be replaced by robots or machine learning anytime soon. In fact, they are now empowered to do more, get paid more, and generate much more value for the company. These type of win-win situations are always left out of the mainstream media narrative. And we think it's really important to tell and share these stories. So we're thrilled about this podcast. It's fantastic. And it will be launching on Monday. And not only will it be launching, the team at Salesforce was so excited about the progress on the podcast that we are doing a panel at Dreamforce, actually. So the IT track at Dreamforce has been renamed IT Visionaries. And we have a panel with 
it should be about six C-level technology executives where we're going to be talking about the future of digital transformations and all the topics that I just mentioned. It's going to be really exciting and we'll be sure to broadcast that. We'll probably have a video and podcast and everything like that that we send out in the newsletter. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And a lot of the people that we interview, I like it because it's a mix of pretty technical and also just great leadership skills too. So you're listening to someone who's just led a huge organization and you can learn so much. I mean, I'm not really technical, but I listened to every episode so far and I gained a lot of wisdom just from listening to these leaders about how they steered the organizations that they're leading right now or just you know how they hired people fired people how they think about that whole process there's a lot of good tips in there that aren't only technical so yeah i think it can be applicable for a lot of people if they want to check it out i completely agree because these are executives where it's easy to think that an executive of a fortune 100 company got lucky or knew the right person and the reality is these people are incredibly smart incredibly gifted, talented. Yes, they were in the right place, but they've worked so hard for so many years and they're dealing with such enormous complexity inside their organizations. So massive complexity, really tough incentives. And with a lot of the pressure from being a public company on top of it all, it's very inspiring to hear those stories. It's a podcast made by us. And if you're interested, you can reach us at themission.co slash studios. We have a world-class creative team and we work with companies like Salesforce, Twilio, Katera, and other world-class technology companies to create custom podcasts and sponsorships that get results. That's what we love to do. We love to tell stories and we love to help the best companies in the world tell their stories. Yep, so check it out on Monday. All right, so let's move on to what we're listening to. Okay, this one is highly emotional for me because it is an amazing album and I don't say that lightly. So it seems like it's become harder and harder to find an album that you can listen to the whole way through. And when I first listened to this album, I did not fully appreciate it. I just listened to one track on repeat because it was my favorite, which I guess we're all kind of prone to do. That's why the singles exist. And the artist is Max Richter, and the album is called The Four Seasons. It's not an original. It's, it kind of is. It's tricky because this is a remake of a classic. This is a classical album. And in the classical music space, you don't traditionally go back to the works of Beethoven or Mozart and remix them. It happens a lot in the hip-hop space and the rap space where samples get remixed and turned into pop anthems, but it doesn't happen in the classical music space until Max Richter started to do it, basically. And so he took this classic that was written by Vivaldi. It's called The Four Seasons, and it was a four-violin concerto originally. What Richter did is he basically remade it. It is genius. It's a lot of fun, and you can download the album on iTunes or Spotify, and it walks you through spring, summer, fall, winter, and the music corresponds with the seasons. And you can have a very fun experience just listening to the music and basically playing thoughts and memories that you have from springtime, summertime, fall, winter, and they correspond with the music in an uncanny way that is very uplifting and just really, really an interesting experience. And then at the end of the album, they have four EDM remixes of Richter's tracks, if you like EDM or anything like that. But excellent album. I couldn't uh, recommend it enough. And we'll link that up in the show notes for anyone to check it out. So I'm listening to podcasts. I mean, other than all the IT Visionary episodes this past week getting ready for launch, I also really enjoyed the Acquired podcast. I know I just told you about this. Two of the episodes that I really liked, one was on Stitch Fix, 
that one was really cool because Stitch Fix is like, yeah, where they send you clothing each month and you have like a stylist and all that picking out clothes for you. But on the front end, it kind of just looks pretty simple. It reminded me of like clothing in a box. Like they just come and ship you something. And if you don't like it, you return it. But there's actually all these algorithms behind the scenes that are going on to get you the right clothes. And the whole episode was kind of detailing all this crazy data that's going into it to perfectly send you clothes that fit in a way that nothing else does. So most people might be like, I wear a medium, but you know, all mediums fit differently. So they're actually measuring every single exact piece of clothing they send you. And then if it doesn't fit you, they start compiling data on you to say like, okay, well, we think it's because of this. You said it was too short. That's because this type of medium fits this way. And they have all this data driving that. Yeah. And along with that, you can also upload like your Pinterest boards and then they're using visual data algorithms. So here's the things that you said look nice. And we're going to start trying to send you things that are similar to that as well, among like a million other things that they're doing behind the scenes. And they have a whole website showing their algorithms called multi-threaded, which is awesome. But it shows the whole process of all their algorithms behind the scenes. And I just thought that was really fun because a lot of times a business looks kind of simple on the front end, but the back end's crazy. complex. Yeah. And they're profitable on every box they send from the first box that they send you they're profitable that's a huge accomplishment yeah which is crazy that's really cool and i just have to insert this too so for anybody that's listening that thinks okay clothing subscription if you still haven't bought into the idea yet that this is enormously complex and it's actually good for everyone listening i just want to bring up this possible speculation that this is a reactionary company in a lot of different ways to planned obsolescence so retailers and people that make clothing for many different years, every time they come out with a new product line, they alter the sizes a little bit. So especially for men's clothing, I can't stand shopping because generally you find something you like and then it stops being made and you have to try on new things and buy new things. They don't fit quite right. And if you're a guy who likes to work out or you know lift heavy weights and things, you're basically never going to find things that fit consistently across a brand and everything. So this is a much needed thing. And if you're tired of retailers basically planning their apparel and shoes for failure, so you have to keep ordering more and more and get the latest and greatest all the time, Stitch Fix seems to me, in my mind anyways, a reactionary company to that phenomena. And I think that's great for anyone. I think they're just starting now for men. But yeah, could you imagine being like, I got this shirt and the arms were too small and they already know like, oh, that arm diameter or whatever measured this big and that's why it was either too small or too big so next time we know like never to give you this brand in a medium anymore we're actually going to do like a large from here on out even though you say you don't wear larges you do in this brand that's so cool i didn't know about the company and it's i think the woman i think her name's katrina the founder and ceo youngest woman ever to ipo a company oh very cool yeah really cool and then the other episode i'm listening to of theirs is about rec room i was just telling you about this one as well but it's vr rooms that you go to and you can hang out and play games and stuff Mm. but that one was really cool because it was more taking the viewpoint from the investment approach about how they went about getting investment for their company starting out with a convertible note and kind of leading or leaving that convertible note open so people could keep joining after six months after a year continually getting funding that way and then switching over to a place where when they did want to raise investment money from institutional investors, they only let the investors join if they went into the virtual reality rooms and played around and then gave them feedback on like how to improve it. So basically looking to make sure that the investors actually were invested in it and cared about the company. That's so cool. And that's flipping the script on VCs because VCs exactly. basically use founders for outsourced R&D and extort everything they can in pitches. Uh, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's just what they do is to get information from the front lines of capitalism and new things and innovation and everything. And this flips the script on that. So that's cool. Yep. And he also broke down 
the details behind, okay, because whoever was interviewing him asked, how did it go from talking to, who's the entry-level people at a VC firm? What are they called? Associates. Associates, yeah. yep. And he said, getting past the associates, it dropped off by 80%. He didn't get past 80% of associates. And then when he got to, I guess, maybe the partners or whatever, it was like 20%. And it was like a super small rate of getting to the actual investment. Yeah. So it was just interesting because he was very open talking about how it worked and gave a little jab about how most investors invest in pretty decks instead of actually products. And he was talking about how he was not good at building decks. And he was like, sorry, I'm just actually trying to build my product. I don't care about building a pretty deck. So I thought that was kind of funny. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, I know. Okay. But anyways, that was those are two fun episodes. Highly recommend. And that podcast is just great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying out Rec Room. Are they in the Bay Area? I, I'm actually going to email them and find out if they're in here. So you have to have your own VR headset, I think. But you just was, bring, bring it to the space. Exactly. But what was really fun was when they were first starting their company, they just emailed one of the headset providers and said, hey, we think we're going to start a company. Can you send us a headset to try it out? And they're like, sure. And they sent it out. And that's how they started their company was having a headset to play around with and building these virtual reality rooms. And like you can set it up, I'm guessing, at your own house mm-hmm. if you have a small little space or whatever. And then you can just go and join all these little hangout rooms, playing games with people and all that. So seems interesting. Cool. We should look into that more though. Yeah, let's do it. I've been listening to the Acquired podcast off of your recommendation. I just finished the Tesla episode. Oh yeah. Did you like it? it? Yeah. That was the episode we were looking for that has a lot of Musk's backstory in terms of financing and all those details. Did they talk about how he sold his first car, how he got around that? Yeah. I listened to that part and I, I think that it was just all around genius take on financing and getting really, really creative when you don't have all the resources you need to make your idea happen early on. Yeah, it was so cool hearing about how they basically just started out with a Lotus, like an existing car and just converting it a little bit. And yep, you can get started however you want. The only thing that is stopping you is generally just like a lack of creativity and imagination. And all of his companies started with, so in the case of SpaceX, at first it started, he was trying to buy two refurbished Russian ICBMs. And you know, before that, there was actually a much earlier start where the plan was just to experiment and just talk with the Mars Society and figure out how to increase NASA's budget. That was the the origin of that. And then before that, I was just going to a couple of meetups and hangouts. And anything that makes the starting point of great accomplishment more accessible to everyone and presents a more honest look at it, I think is much needed in today's world. Off of that creativity piece, that's what everything in the episode showed how creative he is with the financing like you were talking about, but also what I was referencing of when he was trying to sell the first car and he was getting blocked, like you can't sell a car unless you do it from a dealership. And he was like, great. Okay. Instead, I'm going to have customers give me a hundred thousand dollars and then I'm going to gift them a car for joining my club. (laughs) And so that was really cool. And then I guess in Texas, they're not allowed to operate dealers there or like the Tesla showrooms. You're not allowed to have employees there. Supposedly we'll have to look into this more, but he was like, okay, we'll just get Tesla volunteers. So People who own Teslas volunteer at these Texas showrooms to sell these cars because you're not allowed to have employees there if it's not a dealership or something, supposedly. But I'm like, that is like Steve Jobs level devotion to a product. That is grandmaster level of sales. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. That's really, really cool. So in terms of books, so I have been listening to the Walt Disney biography in preparation for our book club that I think is coming up the 28th is the change date. It's a monster. It's a 33-hour audible book. I'm doing it at 2.5 speed, but it's still not fast enough, or is it? I mean, it's it's fast. It's flying by. The good news is there's a 10-hour version that was a shortened version. I guess some editor had good sense to make it a 10-hour book. That's the one I'm listening to. 
But either either way, it's an excellent book, and I'm really excited to share that on the book club. Yeah, same. Can't spoil too much. And so final thing, I've been reading One Minute Manager and another book called The Making of a Leader. And both these books are just excellent stories that help illustrate why it's important, obviously, to always practice leadership. It's an art that is learned. And again, with management and delegation, it's something that you have to keep practicing it and you have to keep honing your skills again and again and again. And The One Minute Manager is an excellent book on that. We'll probably do an entire episode about the takeaways from that and the, and the lessons learned. But for anybody who's looking to interact and get more done with people, not even in a business sense, but just in a household sense, friends and family type situation, the principles from it can be applied basically everywhere. So Awesome. Love it. All right. And that about sums up the best for this Friday. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, Twilio, for sponsoring this episode of the Mission Daily. Don't forget to check out the Twilio Signal Conference and use our promo code MISSION20 when you go to signal.twilio.com. It's in San Francisco this October. And if you go, we will see you there. We'd love to talk to you. And hit us up on Twitter, on the socials, at the Mission HQ. We would love to hear from you. And as always, have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.